Hey guys, welcome back to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. I'm your host, Jason Nichols. I'm here with my colleague, Vince Colonnese, and we're going to give you some good discussion today. Vince, what do we have? What do we have on tap? We got a lot going on. I want to start though with uh, Britney Spears, if you don't mind. I know this is unusual for us, but like it has been just a crazy week. First of all, I, it, it's one of these things. It's like you feel like Britney Spears is like just uh, an older pop star. It's from a different generation of people listening to music. I can't believe I'm saying those words. Uh, but for years now, she's been doing this residency in Las Vegas where she like dances and sings twice a day all the time. Uh, and there's been like from time to time, you kind of hear this movement where everyone's like, oh, free Britney and Britney's, right. you know, Britney's so is suffering. And you, you kind of let it wash past you because you're like, you got to be kidding me. Britney Spears is suffering. That girl, she makes, you know, millions of dollars. She's one of the she's she's as a list as we've we could get when it comes to um, uh, musicians. It's just it, it boggles the mind to even begin to think of her as a victim of anything. And yet. This week, she goes before a judge and says she like reads out this statement that lasts for like 20 something minutes that she had written down on her phone. And she reveals something that we've begun to find out over the course of the past few years is that she has no control over her life's affairs. None. She's in this. She's been in something called a conservatorship for the last 13 years, and a conservatorship allows someone else to petition a court to take control of all of your life's affairs because you're incapable of handling those affairs. And that could include an adult. And that is what her father successfully did some 13 years ago. And she was explaining sort of the miserable life that she has now where she is, um, she's basically performing nonstop they don't let her control her finances. They don't let her control even things about her, her career and her performances. Um, it, apparently, they take all of her money. They Basically, she's working re relentlessly just to enrich the people around her. She doesn't get to pick the people around her. She doesn't get to pick her own lawyer. Everything is chosen for her. Sounds like an average American to me. No, I'm kidding. Right, I'm kidding. It, sounds, it sounds awful. No, it sounds no, it completely does. awful. And, and not only the work part, but she explained that they had, they had, uh, because of the people who were controlling her and including her father, they actually inserted an IUD into her, an inner uterine device to prevent her from getting pregnant. They're, they, they've done everything. They've taken complete control of this woman's life. And my reaction to this, Jason, has been, okay, well, wait a second. You know, it's kind of obvious when she's giving her statement in court. You can, you can read the transcript of it. This may not be a super high IQ individual. That doesn't surprise me. She might not be the brightest bulb. But even if you could make a case successfully to the court, even if there was a good case to say, hey, look, this is an adult who should not be in charge of her affairs. How is it loving to then take that person and then force them to perform nonstop and then exploit them? Like, you're a father. I'm a father. We would never in our wildest dreams do that. If, if, you, if you had a child who all the way into their adulthood, you had to control their affairs because they couldn't do it for themselves. In what world would you possibly exploit them to the point that they are just absolutely miserable? That's, that's awful. I mean, I can't believe, I, I really cannot believe that I've reached the point where I'm feeling bad for Britney Spears, but I feel awful for her. It, it, that is a, such a wild story, Jason. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um... You know, I, I watched a documentary, I believe it was on Hulu, and yeah. you know, I, I'd gone in, and 
I was skeptical. I had some empathy for Britney Spears and for a lot of these child stars. Like they, you know, we think that sounds cool and it sounds good to become a star right. you know, at 12 or at 14 or whatever. Um, and I, I, you know, I would beg to differ. You know what I mean? Like having a regular childhood uh, generally, I mean, you know, if you're not a victim of violence or abuse or bullying or anything like that, having a regular childhood is much better than being a so-called child star um, where there's yeah. moments of isolation, you know, you're around adults all the time. I mean, it, it can be really difficult. Um, when I saw Britney Spears and her documentary, I thought it was, you know, just a, a little on like her, her whole situation, her whole existence. Um, you know, she just had one unfortunate thing after another being exploited in one area or another throughout her life. Um, and now the fact that she doesn't have the, con you know, control over her affairs and she's got to be in her late thirties. I'm not sure exactly how old she is. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the fact that they are literally taking control over her body. You know, I think it doesn't matter if you are someone who is pro-life or if you are someone who is pro-choice or you are someone who is, um, you know, conservative or if you're progressive, if you're liberal, right. you're libertarian. I think we can all agree that forcing a woman to get an IUD is wrong. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Having control over her reproductive abilities is wrong. I mean, that's literally some Handmaid's Tale type stuff. Um, and forcing her to work to enrich you, you take money from her working. I, I made, you know, a little light of it because I was, you know, talking about how our corporate structure is and how, you know, CEOs get incredibly wealthy from other people's labor. But still, the idea that you literal in a literal sense you have an indentured servant and you sit there and you watch them work and you take the money from that and then you decide oh well you know guess what i, I i'll let you live here i'll let you eat this um for an adult person it's your father i mean her, her your father could you imagine like what and kind of relationship not, is that and you, and you said something about her iq i, I don't know i didn't i didn't hear the speech um, but I don't know that she's unintelligent. I think she's a victim of abuse, you know, and, ex and exploitation, which is obviously going to, you know, affect you cognitively. But yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that she has a low IQ. I, well, I, I'm not, I, I'm not saying it's like, look, I don't, I don't really know how with it she is. I don't know how competent yeah. she is. I, I, I can't assess those questions. All I, all I can say is this is that even if there is a standard by which we can be like, yeah, that person needs to have their affairs controlled by someone else. Like, even if that we could, even if we could concede that for some reason. Yeah. How could you even begin to think that that arrangement is loving? Like, not only are her affairs being controlled by that other person, she's being tortured to fulfill their dreams. That's disgusting. Right. So I think it's one thing if you say this person is not capable and is not, competent and cannot take care of themselves, let alone their children or whatever. And I need to take control of that. Right. But, but if you have to do that, 
you should not then force them to work because if they're not competent to take care of themselves, how are they competent enough to show up to work, to perform well, to know their songs, know their steps, do all of that? Right. Um, obviously, there's some things going on there where it's, you know, I, you know, where I think maybe this, this father is maybe even tricking himself. Maybe he thinks that he's doing something for her good. I don't know. Yeah, but um, it's obviously exploitative. It's obviously some sort of indentured servitude. If you really want to take care of somebody, then take care of them with your money. Oh, yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, if you really think that she's incapable, you shouldn't stress her out and make her work. You you take care of her. You make her see a psychologist. You get her the kind of help. And the goal of taking care of someone's affairs should always be to guide them towards independence, if possible. Unless they are some sort, yeah. unless they are, you know, literally disabled to the point where they, you know, right. cannot take care of themselves ever. You know, you said you that. said something you said something really important a moment ago about, um, you know, these child stars. I, I I can't help but think as I'm watching all of this, like, is there a single person who's near her, who actually has her her best interests at heart? Is there like a single person who's anywhere near that girl who can give her good advice, yeah. who actually like care? I, and that that kind of distresses me too, you know. It's like yeah. because somebody who's in her position, and this has been true since she was a, a teenager, since she was, I think she came on the stage when she was 16 years old. I think that's when she first achieved national fame. But just the idea that like her entire life has been dominated by people who have either been trying to exploit exploit her, trying to enrich themselves off of her back, uh, or or constantly saying yes to whatever fantasies she might have for her life you know always indulging them never saying no never backing her down having like parents who are trying to exploit her clearly don't have her interests at heart like how isolating must that all be it kind of goes right back to your point it's like you know all these people think that like fame and fortune are this great thing um it's boy it's deeply isolating it's almost it's almost in a weird way not in a weird way i think in a consistent way if you're a religious person it's biblical right it's almost like the difficulty of a rich man to get into heaven. Like I, it all kind of comes together. It's like, well, wait a second. Like you don't even have people giving you good advice around you. Um, it's well, like I, we all kind of crave it, right? Like there's a part of us who's like, yeah, we want to be, we want to make good money. We want to be able to have those comforts. We want luxuries, but there's a, there's a true cost that comes with it. And boy, look at her life. Look how miserable that is. I can't imagine. I don't, I could never want that for my daughter ever. Yeah. I think that there's a level of fame that is corrosive. Like you, you really don't want that in your life. And the only thing is I'm going to be a liberal real quick or, or progressive or whatever you want to call me. Yeah. And I will say, I'll fix one thing you said. And that is that you called her a girl. She's a woman. That's the whole point. And I'm not saying that you said that in, in a pejorative sense or that you, you know, you were saying that, but I, I think it's important to remember that this is a grown ass woman who deserves to control her own destiny. And if yeah. she fails, she fails. That's part of parenthood. You and I know as parents, our goal is to raise our kids and then let them leave the nest. And if yeah. they fall, they fall. You know, that, that's that gotta be the, the whole point is if you fall, well, you know, I'm not saying that I won't help pick you up because I'm a dad and, you know, if you are broke right. or you, you know, or you have some psych issues or you have some drug issues or whatever, 
like I'm not gonna say I'm not, I'm just gonna be like, well, you failed, I prepared you, and you know, I, I will probably come and help you until it gets to a point where I think you're trying, you know, you're just you need to hit rock bottom again. But in general, you know, the whole thing is you are trying to prepare your children to leave the nest and to do their own thing yes. and allow them to fail. That's something that I'm learning as a father too, is like, you know, with my kids and when they're doing their schoolwork, allow them to fail. Right. You know what I mean? And then say, well, did you work hard enough? Did you do this? Did you take these steps? This is like, this is like when you play basketball against your kid. Yeah. You yeah. don't let them make every shot. Like you, yeah. you that, that hand goes up and you, and you will block some of those shots. You'll block a lot of those shots to let that sure. kid know that it, they've got to work for it. And, yeah. and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I, but see Absolutely. all of the decision make decisions you're making are based on your love for your kids rather than your love for yourself. And I, so I see this Britney Spears story. And again, we're, we're commenting on it from a distance, but because, you know, I don't know these people personally, but just hearing this horrific tale this week, it's make, you know, she makes a pretty convincing case that she's being fundamentally exploited. And I don't sense any love in that relationship. And that's a real tragedy. And, and I think that the rest of us can pull good lessons from it. Unfortunately, that, that she has had to have lived well, through something like that. I do think it's fair. It's only fair to say that we haven't heard Britney Spears' father's side. So I, I, I just want to put that out there. Not saying that he's got any kind of, you know, good intentions or whatever. I would like to know what it is that he was thinking. You know what I mean? If his representatives want to get in touch with Vincent Jason Save the Nation, we will definitely have <laughs> him on the show and interview For him. For sure. But, uh, you know, and give him a fair shot because that's what we do here. But um, I, I would like to hear what his thinking is. You know, Britney Spears, and it's good that she finally got unmuzzled and unfiltered and was able to tell the world, look, I've got these financial and other kinds of handcuffs on. And yes, I, I deserve to be free. And even for those of us who didn't know the ins and outs of things, she deserved that. Um, but I would like to also hear her father's side in saying, this is what I was thinking. And two fathers like you and I would be the perfect people to, to interview him and say, what were you thinking? Or what are you thinking? Right. Why do you think this is beneficial? Why do you, you know, like, even if I'm not ever going to agree with you, which I'm not ever going to agree with you, I want to know how in your mind you fix this to be like, this is a good arrangement. Yeah. I want to, I'll ask you questions like, how did you become such a scumbag? When did you decide to break entirely with uh, the moral obligations you have to raising your daughter? Like, when did you decide that, you know what you're going to do instead of letting your daughter, uh, you know, improve her life instead of her finding happiness, instead of instead of you being like, you know what, she's made enough money as if I'm going to control her life. Let's use the money we've got and to make sure she's got a healthy, flourishing one. And instead, just to like let her wither on the vine, just like rot, just let her rot and then keep taking the money that she generates yeah. uh, to enrich yourself. Exactly. I, I, it. It kills me to see something like that because it's it's such, you know, there are people out there who don't even have parents and the ones that she has are exploiting her. It's just, oh, 
Jason, it's just it's just outrageous. And I, I, mean, and I, I, I yeah, I, I think we, we need to understand. And if you really care for somebody and you think that they are not doing well um, and that there's a reason why, you know, obviously me being being the, the liberal progressive on the show, um, I believe, you know, in entitlements. And there's a reason why. Uh, you know, people who are disabled get entitled, you know, are entitled to not work and still get some sort of support. In this case, she should not be forced to work. I mean, that is the worst part. That might be the worst part to me is forcing her to work because that shows you really don't have good intentions. Like if, if you, if he were like, I don't trust her to make her, you know, to do her own affairs, I would at least understand his thinking there. I think it's wrong because it takes away her personal freedoms. But I could at least understand what he's thinking because I would be like, all right, he's being way too overprotective. This woman is 38, but as a father, I can kind of get it. Like, all right, you, you're, you're afraid for her. She's been in this you know world of music and pop and all that. And we know where you know being famous at 13 can take you. A lot of those uh, people who are famous at that age are in jail or, you know, are strung out on drugs or have died. I get that. You know what I mean? And maybe there would be even a little bit of guilt for like, I let her get into this world and I, I could see that. Yeah. But forcing her to work. I know. You know I what know. I mean? Like a trained monkey. I, that's my problem you know, where I can't see any good out of it. Me too. Me too. You know, I'm right there with you. That's, that's precisely what got me all bothered by this this week. I was like, you're making her work to enrich yourself. That's disgusting. Take, take control of her affairs. No evidence but, that you're doing it for a good reason. But I will say this also. Um, as someone who, I, I don't know what Britney Spears' issues are. I don't know what her... her sure. Mental- uh, you know, what, what, whether she's bipolar or whether she's schizophrenic or, but being someone who's had mentally ill people, you know, very close to me, I've known some, you know, have some mentally ill people, um, that are very close. They could, you know, there are times where they say one thing to one person and another to someone else. Right. So that's why I would like to hear his side of it. You know what I mean? Sure. I'd like to hear um, what it is he has to say. Because he may come on and be like, Brittany told me she loves working. You know what I mean? This is, you know, Brittany says blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just trying to keep an open mind here. Um, but the way it looks is really bad. So whatever his representatives sure. are, um, you know, whoever his representatives are, bring them on the show. We'd love to talk to him. We'd love to have a discussion with him and, and see what his thinking is. Yes, we're going to admit we're probably going to be a little hard, but we're definitely going to give him an opportunity to speak uninterrupted about what he was thinking and making his daughter work um, and taking control of her affairs, including her financial affairs. Um, yeah. And I, I, what's the relationship with her and her children? She has two or three children, right? Yeah, I think so. Forcing an IUD. Oh, my God. I know. That's literally some Handmaid's Tale stuff. But I know she has some children with Kevin Federline. Um, 
So I'm, I'm wondering what the deal is. Yeah. And I know Justin Timberlake was tweeting support for her yesterday too. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's all, it's also crazy. Oh, by the way, I was thinking about what you just said a moment ago about how I refer to her as a girl. I was thinking, I was like, well, I was like, I do wonder why I do that. It probably has to do with like, it's just colloquial. I refer to girls and guys typically, unless they're like substantially sure. older and, and that, that thing is burned into your mind. You're like, Oh, that's an older woman. Like if I was looking at Betty White, I, well, I don't know, even Betty White, I might be like, look at this girl. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would. She's a golden uh, girl. You know, yeah, that's I mean? a good point. That's a good point. But I guess in Britney's case, subconsciously, she's kind of frozen in carbonite, like on the on the cover of Baby One More Time in my head. It's like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> that's how you remember. Uh, but no, she, you're right. She's much older now. Um Let's move on. I've got we've got another topic I want to jump into that I think a lot of people care about. And uh, we'll do that in just a moment here as I pull it up. All right. Here's what I want to get into with you, Jason. It's the United States. There's a a report out from the Pointer Institute this week. The U.S. ranks last. That's dead last among 46 different countries when it comes to trust in media. This is according to the Reuters Institute. They say. At 29%, that's how much trust Americans have in their own uh, uh, news outlets, 92,000 news consumers responded in this survey of 46 different countries. Uh, the, the U.S. Is at, the, is at the back of the bus in terms of it is just absolutely in the worst position. Um, they're worse than Poland. They're worse than the Philippines. They're worse than Peru. Finland is at the top with 65% trust uh, in their media. Um, They say one of the explanations is the extreme political polarization in the United States. That makes some sense. This study, like many others, they write, found extremely high levels of distrust. 75% of those who identify as being on the right, specifically, thought coverage of their views is unfair. Local news, that includes print and broadcast, fared better than national news. However, the findings for struggling local print outlets were not all good. Interest in local news and willingness to pay for it was not strong. Only 21% in the U.S. said that they do pay for news online. Of those who do, 31% say they pay for the New York Times, 24% the Washington Post, and just 23% for the site of a local or regional paper. Now, those are interesting numbers about paying for journalism. And uh, by the way, just as an aside, I think journalism news outlets made a lot of mistakes at the turn of the century when they decided to try and make all of their products free. And and that once they did that, it was like everyone was underbidding each other. And we've seen a lot of local news outlets uh, go out of business. And that's that's a tragedy for the United States to watch as journalists who are on the ground who could be in important meetings about local government are no longer there anymore. Uh, that's that's not a good thing for um, civic knowledge. At the same time, I want to focus primarily on this trust thing. Uh, the Pointer Institute, the Reuters guys, they point to political polarization, Jason, uh, and especially the rights distrust of media. What do you think has led to this rock bottom trust in our news media? Well, I mean, that that's a really broad question because I, I, I look at it this way. I think that the fact that we have freedom of the press is is one of the greatest things about the United States of America. Um, the fact that you have press outlets that can that have the freedom to um, not be tied to the government 
um, I, I think is, is wonderful and beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, with the advent of Al Gore's internet, uh, what you have is a wild west. And you also have on the right in particular, a grievance culture. I'm a victim. I'm being treated. And, and it's funny because even guys on the right who I disagree with on almost everything agree with this. Like Tucker Carlson and I have talked about this several times. Yeah. You know, there is a like grievance, like everyone is against me. You know, the media is against me. And right wing media hammers in the idea that left wing, that your left wing neighbor hates you that everyone, you know, is against you, um, that the media is, you know, hates your way of life. They hate your Christian God. They hate, you know, so I think that what that opened the door for is a lot of misinformation and disinformation. Now, misinformation and disinformation are different. Um, you know, misinformation is stuff that's wrong. The left has a lot of misinformation. You know what I mean? Where, I think, you know, I, we can all point to stuff that CNN or MSNBC or the New York Times got wrong. And we do that oftentimes on the show. Um, but I think that on the right, you've got a lot of disinformation, which is stuff that is purposefully deceitful. And I think that that's really problematic. So I'll give you, you know, one example. You know, um, and, and it just came out recently. So Gateway Pundit, uh, which is a right wing, you know, small news outlet, not nearly as good as the Daily Caller. Uh, they came out and they said that there was massive voter fraud in Michigan. Now, Biden won Michigan by a sizable amount of votes. It wasn't like Wisconsin or Georgia or Pennsylvania or Arizona, where in some of those states he won by a decent amount, but he Biden won Michigan by 154,000 votes. You know, like it was sizable amount. <clears throat> and they were saying things like, there was one uh, thing that came out that dead people in Michigan were voting. Uh, they claimed that four townships had more votes casts than there are casted casted or cast um you know in their area than there were registered voters so the michigan senate oversight committee did a study recently they did a deep dive mm -hmm. uh and it's republican controlled these were republicans uh and they found no evidence of dead voters precincts with 100% turnout and no evidence of uh, Detroit, a Detroit ballot dump that benefited Biden. And there were all these people that came out and they literally called it ludicrous. But again, it doesn't matter because it's already been, you know, retweeted and shared on Facebook thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. And that's how you get situations where people want to kidnap the governor, that they're outside of the, the governors or the, uh, you know, the legislature with guns because they think that their rights are being infringed upon. And they think that the, you know, that things are, 
not being treated fairly and, you know, based on their conservative views, or they feel this way about universities and people are trying to survey, you know, what professors and faculty members think. I mean, it sends us in so many dangerous situations. And of course, we know about the QAnon stuff where, you know, uh, arguably it led to January 6th. So I think we've got so much distrust because number one, the distrust on the right is being sowed by right-wing media, you know, saying you can't trust, you know, any media but us. And then, you know, that distrust is added by deceit that causes lots of problems, um, I think, down the line. So uh, I, I'll try. There's a lot that I'd like to respond to, but I'll try and I'll try and narrow it to just a couple of things. Um, I think that the idea that the right sort of uniquely has a grievance problem, that it interprets everything as an, as an attack on them, um, is it's I think there's a lot of I think there's a massive grievance industry in the United States and that is uh, is a bipartisan one. But it is reasonable to feel aggrieved if you are actually targeted for, you know, if your views are, are actually targeted. And the right has, I think, a, a very strong case to make that their views have been targeted, that they've been uh, mistreated by the news media at large and either not taken seriously or attacked for their views or, or, or there are bad faith assumptions made about them. I mean, look at the, the whole Nicholas Sandman incident at the Lincoln Memorial. That was a preposterous case of media malpractice. And I realize you made a distinction and I think, it, I think you gave the right definitions for misinformation and disinformation. But at what point does media negligence get so grotesque that we have to acknowledge that that's disinformation? to attack a teenager for standing at the Lincoln Memorial with a MAGA hat on merely because you don't like his face. That was that was the centerpiece of that. And that's why he ended up filing all those lawsuits against those news organizations um, for their treatment of him at them at the memorial. It was totally unfair. Now, Nicholas Sandman's a really good case study in um, in just one story that was blown out of proportion by the press, including when the press should have known better. Uh, you and I have talked at length about the willingness of the press to grab on to everything that fulfilled their vision of Trump-Russia collusion, despite evidence that was constantly defeating that conspiracy theory. They continued to charge ahead. Um, you had the lab leak, the Wuhan lab leak story that was purposely suppressed by both scientists and members of the media because they didn't want to be seen as taking up a position that Donald Trump had taken from the White House. That is not merely misinformation, that's disinformation. That's not spending any time uh, taking, taking that issue seriously because politics has so clouded your judgment and because you're concerned that um, your peers in the industry or in the elite circles in which you run are going to think less of you if you do take those issues seriously. And of course, yeah. you know, maybe Trump, maybe Trump himself doesn't have the cleanest track record. He doesn't have the cleanest track record with accuracy. But you still have plenty of people on the right who do, who have, do have very good track records with accuracy. We're calling these things out and then not being taken seriously by the mainstream press uh, just because of their political affiliations. I think when we look at the media, I, don't, I think it is a massive mistake to say that right wing or conservative criticism of the press is why um, there is deteriorating trust in media. Media 
has earned this distinct, this dubious distinction of being untrusted by the American public. And you don't, and I realize in, in recent times, it's just by the right, but the left also has plenty of reasons to be distrustful of the American corporate news media. Uh, I can think of a big one that I think everyone sort of agrees on now, and it's the lead up to the war in Iraq and the role that the media played in saying that there were weapons of mass destruction. They were, they were handmaidens to power during all of that. And that was a massive abuse of the power that they have as institutions. And once again, deteriorated our collective trust in them as an institution. So I think right now, the mistake that the, the left is broadly making is sort of, uh, I'm talking about like the left-wing punditry is saying we have to defend the media at all costs and to sort of find themselves in the same camp as the press. I think that's a big mistake. I really do because um, the, the, the corporate press are handmaidens to power and anybody who wants to see the country improve should acknowledge that and realize that that sort of like grotesque throne sniffing credulity towards the people who are in charge is not actually good for the United States of America. It's not why the First Amendment enshrines the freedom of the press. And uh, we are better served by a press that tells us the truth rather than serves the powerful constantly. And that's what we have in the United States right now. They, they've earned this distinction. So I, 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 there are areas where I think um, you're right about powerful interests being protected on the right and the left. Um, when you look at, you know, corporate media, and in many cases, um, I think that probably, in, it, well, in some cases, these same interests are being served, like, by both the, the powerful right-wing media and the powerful left-wing media. Um, I will tell you um, that I think that, you know, it's not that anyone, I've never personally, I don't know anyone who is devoted to their news channel on the left the way they are on the right. And, and I'll tell you just now, you know, mainly talking um, TV news, but I also think, you know, the sharing of a lot of things like I, I just popped in my head. I was thinking about um, Philando Castile, right, was killed in you know the minneapolis area um in minnesota uh, by a, a scary police officer who you know all of a sudden he was he was such a coward that he shot this guy even though the guy had told him he had a weapon you know and all that and that the weapon was legal all of a sudden after he was shot there was all this right wing media that was sharing pictures saying that he robbed a bank or uh, a store or something. And he looked like a robbery suspect who robbed a store, you know, and really, really besmirching this guy's character. And we see that kind of stuff. And, you know, whoever came up with that knew that wasn't true. You know, whoever, you know, was the first person to put that out there, all these different uh, media outlets who shared that knew it wasn't true. Same thing with all of the stuff about Dominion voting systems. They knew that wasn't true. Like that wasn't, you know, 
it, it didn't even have the same thing like when you were talking about the Wuhan lab leak. You and I have discussed that. Right. And why many people believed that the Wuhan lab leak was a conspiracy and it wasn't just because Trump said it. You know, there were, uh, there's reason to believe most, you know, viruses jump from animals to humans. That's just a fact. You know, when you look at, you know, Zika and SARS and HIV, they literally jump from animal species to humans. If that's the majority of the cases, uh, I think that many people believed it and they were afraid of where this could go within the right-wing media ecosystem. That oh, basically wait. tells you that the media is the enemy of the people. Not even that they're wrong. I think it's fine to say the media is wrong. The media is wrong all the time. CNN is wrong all the time. MSNBC is wrong all the time. Fox News is wrong all the time. But to say that they are literally the enemy of the people I think is dangerous. Number one, because the media comes from the people. They are us. Let's not make them seem like they are some different, you know, species of, of you know, of uh, creature out there. The media comes from the people. Now, do they get stories wrong? Do they rush stories? Because now all of a sudden there's a race to get things out first rather than to get things right. It's like a you know a friend of mine who was a bartender. He used to all tell people, always tell people, "Do you want it done quickly or do you want it done right?" And I think a lot of times the media rushes stories out there without really checking the facts, or they get a rumor from you know the State Department and they run out there to tell the people rather than actually doing their due diligence, which I think is really really problematic. And that's on the right, right and the left. And we have problems in our media. I think you're absolutely correct on the right and the left. What I'm worried about is the disinformation that comes, at least recently, on the right. There is no left-wing equivalent. Like, I, I just don't know of any left-wing equivalent of like a QAnon conspiracy. Please let me know if there is one, if there's a left-wing QAnon. I think, I, I'm, I don't think it's even close to overstatement. I think the American news media, the corporate news media, has been the single biggest proliferator of disinformation in the United States. And I, think I don't that's think fair. That's I, I, I just think that, you know, whatever sort of deranged conspiracy, well, misinformation, I would say, I think both. I, I honestly do. I think both because for instance, like remember the, um, the, uh, I, I, I want to make two points. One is like <clears throat> lab leaks do actually happen historically. They're not talked about very much. Yeah, but no, they happen. There was a 2004 SARS outbreak that came with the world health organization believes came out of Beijing. Because out of a Beijing lab, not a human SARS, uh, not an animal uh, transfer, but instead a lab leak, they believe. They, they do happen. I'm not saying that they don't, don't happen. And, oh, and, and on that issue, we've had scientists who, who are now on the record who say that there was reticence to engage the lab leak theory because Trump was saying it. That's, 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 that's definitely true. And, and that's, that is such an abuse of what science is supposed to be. So, you know, science tests theories. Now, on this issue of stories that the media continues to push, and the, the one idea that came to mind was, remember the Russian bounty story, the idea that the Russians were paying the Taliban bounties to kill American troops, uh, and then Trump was accused of ignoring that and, and then rewarding the Taliban by pulling out of Afghanistan. You have to be brain dead to not follow 
the interests that were involved in it, in pushing that story. We now know in retrospect that the intelligence community was nowhere near saying that they had confidence that that was even a real story. Um, that was that 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 has just been flatly disproven that they had any sort of firm intelligence that this really was going on. But at the same time, it comes out immediately as Trump is trying to pull our troops out of Afghanistan as an inducement to do what? To keep the troops there? How how in the world, first of all, the logic is bewildering. How in the world would keeping our troops there be a good thing because the Russians were attempting to pay the Taliban for bounties on the troops? Uh, but that's that story came out for a reason. It's very clear that that story came out in order to make it seem like Trump was being weak against the Taliban for pulling the troops out. And now, now as of this week, Joe Biden is fulfilling that mission to get the troops out of Afghanistan. And, and by the way, with a lot of consternation in the American press, have you noticed the stories that are beating him over the head for the terrain that the Taliban is now taking? There is, there is clearly, there's an agenda here. And the press is constantly serving it. And I just think that I, I look at all of these stories, Jason, and and I I had a lot of patience for the American press corps for a while. I did. And I was like, and I kind of I I I naively believed that, oh, these are just these are simple errors. This these are good faith attempts. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. I, I honestly think that there's a tremendous amount of bad faith. And and if it's not that deep ignorance that go that goes into what the American press does, they're just not interested in telling us the truth. They're interested in concealing truths that we deserve to know, or at least con or or concealing things that we de that deserve to be explored, because they don't serve the interests of the people that they serve, and it's not their readers, it's the powerful people that they have access to, and they want to maintain that access by constantly sucking up to them. I just think that the entire establishment has become so corrupt um, that it deserves to be called out. And, I, and that, that trust in media yeah. number that we're talking about is a product of that. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, the media needs to be called out. And um, you do make a strong case for, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm never one to, to completely, um, you know, dismiss a theory that sounds plausible you know um and and i think the media in their quest honestly you know corporate and otherwise because i think some some of the problem is that now people are turning to non-corporate media where these people don't know what they're doing they're not real journalists they don't you know and they have no tie to the truth they have the tie even more so maybe not to a corporate interest but to an ideology. And that's again, where I, like I was saying, you get your, your, uh, your QAnon people and the, the kind of hate thy neighbor mentality that I think you and I are trying to get against, you know, are trying to fight against. I, I think that there is now, because some of these alternatives, people are looking to alternatives because they don't trust the media, because yeah. some of the mistakes that the media has made and some of these probably you know, I think you make a strong case for the fact that, you know, some of these are probably intentional. We know, I totally believe when we want to talk about Iraq and Iran war, 
and I'm sorry, Iran war hopefully will never happen, but Iraq war and Afghanistan, when we talk about that, I, I totally get why you would say that there was a real reason why people were going out and saying that there were, uh, and just blindly following what was coming out of the State Department and the Pentagon and out of the White House to say that there were weapons of mass destruction, you know, with no real evidence. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, when you when you look at that, and even people that I think are now lauded by the media, like Colin Powell, you know, who went out and literally was was like, yeah, there are weapons of mass destruction. We've seen them. We know that they're there. Um, I, I think that that not only hurt people's trust in the media, in the corporate media, it hurt people's trust in their government. Um, it hurt people's trust in their military leaders. And it certainly hurt, hurt people's trust in the intelligence community. And the problem with all of that is even with the credibility of those institutions being damaged, they're still more trustworthy than some dude at his computer, you know, trying to connect the dots. You made a good point though. You're making a great point. Like there's a reason people are turning to alternatives and those alternatives are not all bad, by the way. I know that's not a case you just made. Often um, bad. <laughs> but there are, there are people, there are people who abuse and dangerous there are people who abuse the trust of skeptical people, people who are, have been so beaten down by the status quo that they turn uh, to bad alternatives. I agree. But the legitimate conservative press, of which there is a lot of us, when I say us, I'm talking to reporters at The Daily Caller, people who re report to uh, broadly conservative audiences, are doing good, solid journalism. And when we make mistakes, our heads get bitten off. There is no pausing. There's no, you know, there's no love lost between the corporate press broadly and the uh, what I would call the mainstream conservative news outlets. If one of those outlets messes up, they get their head bitten off. So there's a very high bar for 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 facts and making sure that you're telling the truth and making sure that you're doing good journalism. And I know at the Daily Caller we meet it all the time. And when we don't, we get absolutely pilloried for it. Um, now. You mentioned you don't think that ago. happens in the mainstream in, in the mainstream press outside of you know Daily Caller and, and a few other organizations. You don't you don't think that if you're at the Washington Post or you're at the New York Times, they're like, bro, good false story. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. No, I think I think what happens is I think people when when the corporate cold. press when the corporate press screws up. But by and large, with some exceptions, occasionally there's an exception, like um, like Eric Wemple, for instance, at the Washington Post did a great series on all the people who screwed up uh, in the media with the Steele dossier that alleged Trump-Russia collusion. Like Wemple just Wemple did actually a legitimately good job ripping a bunch of corporate news outlets for um, their credulity. Uh, but that's a pretty rare thing, actually. Usually, that it's conservative press that gets or, or conservative punditry the conservative commentary, whatever you say, who reacts with some aggression about here's how the, the mainstream press screwed up. And you'll hear a lot of crickets from people who are in the mainstream press who are not that interested in attacking their esteemed colleagues. That's just that's just the truth. Um, now, on this issue of like the way that the press is sometimes is a willing uh, uh, 
uh, combatant. And sometimes they're just dupes because they have access to power. I was reminded, as you mentioned, Iraq and, and other, other countries and the way that our journalism covers it. Remember the Iran deal? And when the Iran deal came through, um, Obama's deputy, deputy national security advisor, Ben Rhodes, at the time, he ended up admitting eventually that the way that they were able to get the Iran deal through is creating an echo chamber among ignorant, ignorant journalists, basically journalists who don't really know better, were um, ingesting hook, line, and sinker the Obama administration's talking points around the Iran deal and then pushing them out in public. Um, that is... That is, he's, and Ben Rhodes was like kind of proud of it, actually. This is how we accomplished this. We successfully got the American press corps doing this because they just didn't know any better. They, they, they were ignorant. That's a pretty profound statement. And I think it taps into something that's true, which is that there is, uh, there's not enough skepticism in the American press corps for, um, I would say specifically Democrat party initiatives, but that's maybe too tight. I, at, uh, status quo initiatives sort is is probably the way to go with it. Like, like basically the institutional forces of Washington that have an agenda, the press is deeply credulous um, to their goals, and we'll go ahead and just like kind of push that agenda along without giving it the the necessary journalistic scrutiny they should. Yeah, no, I I, I think that there definitely needs to be more scrutiny, more fact checking. Um, I think that members of the press shouldn't just interview their their insiders at certain, uh, you know, uh, factions of the government and just accept what it is that they're told and print it. Uh, I think that, you know, people need to, to verify the information they get. But I also think that it's really, really dangerous. And, and again, I, one of my problems, I used to always complain way back. Um, you know, I used to complain about MSNBC because I was like, under the Obama years, I was like, this is like state TV. <laughs> like, it's literally they're taking their talking points from Obama, uh, from the Obama White House. Right. But then I watched the Trump White House and the way, you know, some of the smaller news outlets like OAN were literally, I mean, that's why they're all apologizing to Dominion voting systems because they literally were taking their talking points from Rudy Giuliani. They even, I think OAN shared, a, it's shared, a, 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 had a documentary by Giuliani that was all false. It was nothing but falsehood. That's I think Mike, Giuliani's I think now, I think Mike Lindell paid for a documentary. I think that's what you're referring to. I, and but regardless, the point the point you're making is good in the sense that like like you never want to be in the position where you're cheerleading people or parties because if you do that, then that blinds you to the truth, unfortunately, and it makes it so that you miss some of the bigger pictures. So this is why I respect Tucker, for instance, and what he's doing on Fox. Like he never he, he if he had a criticism of Trump, he would state it and. Like, and so that's good. I like too much being obsequious is like gross. And like the whole point should be like, what actually serves the people of the country? That's actually the spirit of your, of the conversation you and I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to work in one last critique of the media and see if you agree with me. Cause I, I as usual, have to run now. Um, we've got CNN and MSNBC and it's fine. You can understand their politics. They, they both are left-wing networks. I, I don't have a problem uh, with them CNN, doing that. CNN literally, they're more of an anti-Trump network. 
I, I, I don't think of them as a left-wing network. Okay, but- that's a fair criticism. I mean, I and I know, and I know that you're looking at it on a different spectrum too. I mean, it's hard to if you assess something as progressive versus neoliberal, that's a different thing as well. But like, the fact is, these networks have hired two guys who were part of um, the national security community who have lied to the American people. John Brennan, the head of the CIA, lied about the CIA spying on sitting United States senators and their staffs. He lied about that fact. He was hired as an analyst by MSNBC and relied on for trustworthy commentary. James Clapper, the the former top intelligence official in the United States, lied about spying on the American people. He was asked whether or not we were all having our phone calls collected by the United States government, the metadata for those phone calls and whether or not the government was collecting them. And he said, quote, remember, not wittingly. He lied to the United States Congress about that. And then these guys are rewarded. like they're, And they're relied on for like trusted commentary. And is it any wonder that we don't have trust in the media when guys like that, who straight up lied about abusing the power we gave them, are rewarded, and then the media pretends like they're the burning bush? So, um, again, uh, I won't necessarily comment on Brennan and Clapper in particular. Um, And not because I care about Brennan or Clapper. Yeah. Um, But we can go down a rabbit hole if we're going to start doing the whole partisan media thing. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. But just the the people hired by Fox and the people who get hired by OAN and the people who get hired by Newsmax. Um, I, I, you know, or Fox business, we could go down a real rabbit hole where I'm like, this person is a person of ill repute. Like this is a bad human being. This is a person who lies constantly and you're rewarding him uh, or her with uh, a place. I mean, I won't say a name, but there was a guy who I think we all know who was in some serious trouble and there's some serious allegations against him. And he was getting, he was talking about how he was getting hired by a certain news organization. So I, I, you know, I can't really make that a partisan thing. Um, But I do think this is a good point though. You don't have to, in other words, if you want to be trusted, don't hire untrustworthy people. People I agree. I completely agree. We agree there. And one last point, I know you got to go one last point is um and and i heard jank i don't know jank's last name but the guy from tyt yeah he, he made you one agree. really good point and and that was that all of these media right wing left wing etc cetera, etc cetera, they're all friends you know what i mean they're, they all know each other it is kind of like this corporate you know, controlled gang on the left and right. And for the most part, even when they criticize each other, they say things. Thank you so much for watching. Like and subscribe, comment. We love hearing from you. Um, And we will see you very soon next week. Peace.